gentlemen welcome into yet another edition of the three technique the college football podcast at the intersection of the x's and o's and jimmy's and joe's i'm trey reeves i'm joined by mr garrett turney over on the other side of the metroplex a two-man show today as mitch is i think he's in middle america right now i lose track of all of his travels right now but (laughs) as the three of us kind of rotate through summer travels this summer there will be a few more two-man shows before we get into preview season but garrett two-man show or not there is a lot to talk about we're talking big 10 scheduling we're talking uh finishing our quarterback ranking series with the sec big 12 and the group of five we didn't forget about the smaller schools and yeah we are easing our way as we're planning out our content we are easing our way up to that preview season just doing a lot of research i know a lot of work has gone into our preview magazine that i'll talk more about here in just a bit that you can scoop up starting really really soon it's an exciting time, Garrett, even as we enter the dog days of summer. Yeah, it's it's absolutely peak off season right now, which, you know, means obviously nothing crazy in the news, not a whole lot, but even with peak off season, we're still getting some fun headlines, some interesting things to talk about, and with the off season, it's preview season, and so again, we're going to talk about the magazine, we get to talk about all that. Very exciting times here at the 3 Tech HQ. Make sure that you don't miss anything. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast feed, subscribed on YouTube, whether you prefer audio or video, that is whatever your deal is. We can cover both of those needs here at the three technique. Make sure you're following us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at three tech pod and do write in. If you would like to share your thoughts on anything and everything college football related three tech pod at gmail.com. And as we've teased already, Uh, Make sure you're following our friends over at the Transfer Portal CFB on Twitter and Instagram, because guys, this um, this preview magazine that we're putting out, um, we we can't hype this up enough. We saw the proofs today. Garrett Garrett and I saw the proofs of what the pages are going to look like. There is going to be a full page spread for every single FBS team from Alabama all the way to Sam Houston State. Um, uh, Just any team that you can think of all the conferences in-depth previews that have been researched thoroughly really really well written stuff as well as i've just perused all of the different articles and seen the submissions the team over the transfer portal which includes garrett mitch and myself we're working overtime to get this thing out for you guys and it is going to be one of not only the best preview magazines out there on the market it's going to be one of the cheapest as well it's going to be digitally delivered to you so that cuts down on cost significantly the final cost to you the consumer is going to be just 9.95 for a preview of every single team. I don't think you can beat that deal out there. If you can find a better deal, I'd be very impressed. But Garrett, seeing that proof today got me really fired up. I'm excited to see the full thing put together. And yeah, it's fascinating to see all of this work finally paying off. Yeah, it's a really good looking magazine. Like if you just want something aesthetic to, to kind of sit there and have a, a talking piece, you know, we, that it looks really, really good. The, the pages look great. 
Um, and, and obviously the work that's been put into it is, is fantastic. There's, it's been a lot of fun getting to, you know, research some of these teams, write for these teams. I know we've both taken on a whole bunch. Mitch has been writing a bunch as well. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to be a part of this project. And, you know, I think this is going to be something that all of our people are going to love to see as well. If you like the way that we talk about things, we partnered with Transfer Portal for a reason. We wanted to, you know, get around people who look at the sport like us, who think about the sport like us. Um, and, and people who are, you know, more serious than just being hot take artists and, you know, guys who want to homer for their own team, right? We want to go in and, and do good work. And, and I think that we've done a really good job with this as a team. Um, very proud to be a part of this team and really excited to see how this whole product comes out. Me too, man. It, yeah. If you want to be the smartest fan at your watch party this fall, pick up this magazine. It's it's going to be fantastic summer reading as we get into uh, the dog days of summer and the preview season going to be fantastic reading for everybody. Make sure you're following the transfer portal to see, I think they're going to drop that uh, preview of the spread. I think today on their Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, that might already be out there. So if you want to get a sneak peek as well, head over to their Twitter. And if you need a awesome hat for all of your goings on this summer, make sure you fr- take check out our friends over at University Traditions, easy for me to say. But University Traditions has some of the best hats that we at the 3Tech Pod have ever seen. Garrett's wearing the Fayetteville collection. I'm wearing the Lexington, Kentucky collection. They're awesome hats, guys. You've heard us talking about it a lot up to this point. Check it out for yourself. If you don't believe us, check it out for yourself. There's no better time to get on board the University Traditions train. They are having sales almost every day, it seems like, as they're looking to bring in more collection and more inventory for all of these schools. And you can get 15% off your whole order by using code 3TECH15 at checkout. 15% off. Make sure that you give them uh, give them a follow. Tell them the 3TECH sent you and get yourself one of the best hats on the market. So without further ado, Garrett, we're moving into this episode today. We do want to uh, hit on some news off the top because like we talked about with the SEC last week, the Big Ten did release their scheduling plan for 2024. And if you're looking at just a, you know, who won the battle of perception standpoint, the Big Ten swept the floor with the SEC with their release. So for 2024 and beyond, some highlights here, the Big Ten scheduling will be called Flex Protect Plus which if you're looking for a new streaming service, I'm sure that the Big Ten can hook you up. (laughs) They'll probably bundle that with Fox Nation and all the other things that you could want for one low, low price. But I digress. Flex Protect Plus, the whole system is really, from their standpoint, designed to give as much flexibility and as much protection of these traditional rivalry games as possible. So we've seen a lot of conferences, the ACC and SEC in particular, talk about protecting you know a certain number of pr- traditional rivals for every school so whether that's one whether that's three how many of those protected games you're going to get with the big 10 they took a different approach and they said every school is going to have a different number of protected rivalry games so iowa will have three protected games uh every year in this model penn state won't have any protected games they will have a full new conference schedule every year The way that the math works out, they will have, I think, 11 protected games total. And every school in the Big Ten will face every other school in the Big Ten, including USC and UCLA when they join in 2024. They will face off twice within a four-year period. So every school will travel to every other school during the time that if an athlete stays all four years at that school, they'll get to have every, every school travel to their school and travel to every other school. 
Garrett, mm-hmm. it seems like a win for the Big Ten in every sense of the word. It might be a little confusing for the average fan to follow. It might be a little confusing to see your schedule flip-flopped around every year. But, you know, from a competitive balance standpoint, from a, you know, actually having a conference that plays everybody's standpoint, this seems like a huge win. Well, and the big thing about it that I think has to be highlighted is not just from the, you know, fan perspective of this is a little bit complicated, but look at it from the the football landscape perspective. With this new model and this this whole new round of conference realignment and everything else that's going on in college football right now, you're going to have to get a little bit creative. You're going to have to find a way to come up with a new schedule. It, it's a different time in college football than it has been, right? We're expanding the playoff. There's NIL. There's a bunch of new teams trying to, you know, kind of struggle to figure out who's going to end up in the best conferences, who's going to end up on top. And I think that this is a really great model. It lets every school kind of have something that's personalized to them so you can feel like your school is getting what it needs while still serving the bigger conference and the bigger interest, right? If you're, for example, Michigan, Michigan has their two protected as Ohio State and Michigan State, meaning that they play them annually, no matter what, they're going to play those two teams. But then again, this one, the two play is what they call it, the where you play a home and home with them is Maryland. They're going to play Maryland at home and home in back-to-back years, 24 and 25, and then they probably won't see them for a couple of years. Um, and, and I think this is a really good model because, again, and especially in the Big Ten, you have a lot of those like trophy games and those random, you know, hey, this game is for a trophy and this game is for some bragging rights over something. And, you know, Paul Bunyan and everything else is like a wheel and all this other stuff. And so you got to you got to make sure that you protect the trophies at the very least to kind of keep what was special about the college football model that they had in the Big Ten. But again, you still want if you're a Big Ten school, you don't want to have to make the choice between do I want to keep the ball pun or the Paul Bunyan trophy? Or do I want to add USC and UCLA to make the conference more legitimate and give it more staying power in this next round of college football realignment? You you want to do both at the same time. This gives people the ability to do both. And I'm I'm not necessarily surprised that it was the Big Ten that figured it out. I'm just surprised that nobody else between you know the SEC or maybe the Big 12, nobody's been able to figure out something this creative so far. It, it seems like it might be related to, you know, just the work that goes into it. It's definitely easier, yeah. like thoughts and prayers to the guy that's putting together the spreadsheet for the Big Ten, because <laughs> that is not a job that, you know, that's a tedious job that, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of technology involved with automating that stuff. But the spreadsheet takes a lot of work to make this work. And, you know, credit to the Big Ten for not shying away from that. They protected every rivalry that they needed to protect. Obviously, the division opponents, not everybody's going to get to play every division opponent every year, but that wasn't going to happen anyways with this new setup. So, uh, yeah, kudos to the Big Ten. Hats off to them. I do wonder if this is a model that other conferences will see that it worked for the Big Ten, see the good publicity. I mean, other than the name, obviously, the corny Flex Protect Plus. People are having to feel away with that a little bit, but... Other than that, the press has been really, really good about this. So I wonder if the SEC, ACC, you know, other conferences that are expanding will move towards something like this in the future because they see the good press that this is getting. Uh, You almost have to think that they will. I mean, I don't see how with everything that's been going on in the SEC and the, the, you know, dissatisfaction with the eight game schedule and everything else, I almost can't imagine a world where this isn't the model going forward for some of these big conferences. But with that big of a conference, you can't possibly, you know, come to a, a conclusion that works for every single team. There's just too many different colleges, too many different programs, too many different traditions. And, and you have to consider all of that 
when making a schedule, you know, imagine if they were going to try to force the, the, you know, the, the three and nine or the three and six, nine game thing onto the big 10. Well, you know, Michigan, that works out fine because Michigan State and Ohio State, those are your two big rivals. But for Ohio State, they're only protected as Michigan. They're, they're two, I guess they're two play opponents for the next couple of years are Illinois and Northwestern. I, I don't see that as, you know, massive rivalry stuff for Ohio State. Their big rival is Michigan. You know, you got to protect that game. Outside of that, you can kind of let Ohio State play whoever through here. So, you know, I think that this is this is really cool, I think, as a personalization thing for each team. And I think it's going to be the model going forward, assuming that it's not so hard to put together, which, I mean, there's a possibility that it's just so difficult to put it together that they just drop it. But assuming that they can find the logistics with all those millions and millions of dollars at the Big Ten offices, assuming they can find a couple guys who are good at spreadsheets to put this thing together, I think that they'll be just fine. And this will end up being kind of a a big leadership move for the Big Ten going into this, this next new era of college football. Or they'll just ask chat GPT and we'll just put everybody out of work and, you know, uh, but yeah, kudos to the big 10. For getting GPT, the make the big 10 schedule. Absolutely. Yeah. Just every single year. And then we have a big reveal show. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kudos to the big 10. Glad that they were able to get this done. And it seems like it's going to be a great, great program for everybody involved here. So with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Garrett, without further ado, there's not much else in the realm of news this week, so we're going to jump right at, back into our quarterback rankings. And if you missed the last show that we did on this, it was a couple weeks ago, it was Garrett and I again, just by ourselves, and we ranked the top five quarterbacks in the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC. So if you're looking for those rankings, jump back a couple episodes, you'll find them on there. Today we're going to talk about the SEC, Big 12, and the group of five. So Garrett, let's start in the Southeast because you and I got into a little bit of a debate and I don't know if we want to talk about this now or after we go over the quarterbacks, but we kind of disagree on the caliber of quarterback in the Southeastern conference this year. You're a little bit down on them. I'm thinking they're one of the deeper conferences. So I guess let's jump into the list that we came up with and we can talk about, you know, comparing that to other conferences here in just a second. As with the other conferences, we'll start with number one and kind of give him his moment in the sun. We went with Jaden Daniels at LSU. And to me, all you have to do is turn on the tape basically post Florida State last year. Had a little bit of a rough opener against the Seminoles last year. But after that, he was the reason that LSU was able to drag themselves to the sec west title last year right he was largely the reason that the offense worked in brian kelly's first year and you know whether it was on through the air he improved as a passer over the course of the season in my mind and the entire season he was deadly on the ground so it was really impressive to see him go from you know question we didn't know if he was going to win that job pretty much all the way up to week one we weren't sure if he was going to win that job or not to going to be clearly as we go into 2023, the best player, the best quarterback, excuse me, in the conference. Yeah. I mean, he by far, I think is the most proven 
and I think the most talented quarterback in this conference. I think he's going to be a serious problem, and I think we're going to be talking about him in a year as a guy who you're talking about. Where does he get drafted? What does he mean to a team? What's his combine look like? Stuff like that. He could be very, very special by the end of this year. And when you mention a rough start against Florida State, it was rough in terms of the outcome, and there were definitely some things that Florida State did, but just from a numbers perspective, he completed 73% of his passes with two touchdowns. He also ran for over a hundred yards in that game too. So not necessarily lighting it up the two Oh nine yardage, not a massive number probably needed to do a little bit more there, but not necessarily the worst start if we're talking about a rough start, but I think it's just the numbers for the rest of the year were so fantastic that it seemed like a rough start just because he looks so much better the rest of the year. Total numbers on the year, 68% completions, 2,900 yards, uh, 17 touchdowns to just three interceptions. Also ran for almost 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns as well. Look, at the end of the day, maybe not always the scoring numbers you looked. He did have you know kind of a, a rough game against AM, rough game against Arkansas that where he didn't necessarily play his best. That was a frozen um, tundra in that, that game. Was a, that was a rough game for them, and, <laughs> and that, that should be noted as well. But, you know, not always his best effort in every single game. There were a couple of stinkers, but he was pretty consistent. He was pretty solid. And the athleticism was really the place to be. Even in some of the games where he maybe didn't show up with his arm, he was able to keep things going with the legs. Uh, you can look at the Auburn game where he you know only passes 8 for 20 for 80 yards, but 16 rushes, 59 yards, and a touchdown kind of helped them get over the top against Auburn. And then also... Um, you look at the the A&M game, again, the 189 yardage through the air, um, 60% completions, but 12 carries for 84 yards, ultimately in a losing effort. But he did keep things, you know, sort of close and sort of competitive for the majority of that game. And so um, it, it I think when you look at what he brings to the table, what, what Jaden Daniels does, he's an athlete, he's a leader. Clearly, Coach Kelly got the most out of him at LSU, and I think that he's going to bring them right back maybe a little bit of a better defensive effort from them at times. I know they weren't always the best in, against the run last year, but maybe stop the run a little bit more, get the ball back for him, let him put up some big numbers. I think he could have a really special season. I do too. And, you know, you think about the receiving core that he's going to have to throw to. I think it's going to be one of the best in the conference and the talent around him is going to be fantastic as well. So I think he's set up for possibly, I don't know if you can call him a dark horse at this point, but he's going to be mentioned as one of the top contenders for the Heisman Mm -hmm. throughout this year. And I think, you know, when you look around the rest of the SECs, we'll get into the rest of this top five that we've come up with. I I do think that he is, at least from what we've seen on the field over over the last couple seasons from some of these other guys, I think he is a tier above this next group that we'll talk about. So we went with Joe Milton, the third at number two. Uh, of course, the Tennessee quarterback who's going to take over for Hendon Hooker. We saw what he could do down the stretch. And, you know, he really took the torch from Hendon Hooker and just kept on running with it. I know the South Carolina loss was, you know, just a debacle for Tennessee. But after that game, we really saw a lot of glimpses of what Joe Milton could do. After Joe Milton, we're going with Will Rogers, the salty, grizzled vet at Mississippi State. I think this is like the 10th year that he's going to play college football at Mississippi <laughs> State, but he checks in at number three. That might be a surprise to some people, but we'll talk about that in just a second. And we're going to round out the top five with Devin Leary at Kentucky and KJ Jefferson. I know Arkansas fans, if you haven't creamed off the road yet, here's your guy. I know you're, you're worried <laughs> about where he's at, but we're going to put KJ Jefferson at number five on our preseason list for the sec. So Garrett, 
as we look down this list, I, I guess we can run through really quickly just the pros and cons for each of these guys and maybe the case for and against them. Let, let's start with Hinton Hooker. Or sorry, excuse me. Start with Hinton Hooker's old school, Joe <laughs> Milton. Um, I mean, I think the case is pretty clear. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got a lot of receiver talent that he's going to throw to, albeit they're losing some of their top guys from last year. That offense is just going to really set him up for success. Yeah, and I think the limited ability, or not the limited, but the limited looks he got last year is the only reason why you're not going to project him any higher than two right now. Um, you do look at the last couple games. Vanderbilt, not necessarily his best completion percentage, 11 for 21, but he did throw for a touchdown, no picks in that game. And then Clemson, that bowl game, I think is where he really shined. 19 for 28, that's almost 70% completions. 251 yardage and three touchdowns. He was really, really good in that game. Never really felt competitive. Against the Clemson defense, that was pretty solid last year. There are some really good efforts from that Clemson defense. Uh, maybe not always up to their standard. They had played in previous years, but still a really good unit. I think Joe Milton's pretty clearly your number two. There's a case to be made that Will Rogers could be above him, but I, I think, again, you're talking about the offense he plays in, You know, looking at what he's going to be able to do uh, in terms of the talent around him, the, the looks that you're going to get. I think it's pretty clear that Tennessee is uh, a legit contender. Their new staff with Josh Heupel there, I think, is is really good. I think they're gonna they're gonna keep being explosive on offense, um, and, and I think that Joe Milton could be your next big quarterback at Tennessee. Doesn't really do a lot in the run game, which is really the only reason you can't put him up where Jalen Dan- or uh, Jaden Daniels is. Um, it's contagious, well, man. It's God's contagious. <laughs> it's yeah. It's two guys. Um, we'll talk about maybe Jalen Daniels in a second, but um, you know, I, I think it's. The, the lack of ability in the run game, only 77 rushing yards on 18 attempts last year. He didn't really do very much. They didn't ask him to. It's not really a quarterback run heavy offense, but um, it hasn't really shown that he's that type of an athlete to, to really make a difference in both facets. Um, is he going to run more this year? Maybe we could see that, but I, I think you'd have to kind of be stretching to project that one out for uh, for Joe Milton the third. Will Rogers at number three, and if you're wondering why he's here, all he's done in his whole career is throw for 10,689 yards, 82 touchdowns, and just 24 interceptions. Like, I know that the argument against him is he's a product of the air raid system. I know that. But if you just look a little deeper than that, if you actually watch the games, Will Rogers is an elite college quarterback. I, I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll talk about next spring where he stands in the draft and we'll get another season of film on him running a different offense because it looks like Mississippi state is not going to continue the air raid without Mike Leach this year. But I mean, Will Rogers, he's a proven winner in the sec. All he does is, you know, carry Mississippi state to wins that you don't think Mississippi state should get. And he is a big, big part of those games. He takes care of the football. He, you know, distributes the ball to multiple different receivers. He throws at a high, he has a career 70.7% completion percentage. Like what's not to like about Will Rogers? Well, and you can talk about the fact that he's just a system of the air raid, but we've seen some real bad quarterbacks in an air raid system. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's not easy. You have to be capable in any offensive system. Right. Like you and me, we're not succeeding in the air raid offense because we're not those guys. You know, right. We're not that level of quarterback pretty much everyone who's going to listen to this isn't going to succeed in an air raid system because you're not that guy, right? But Will Rogers is a very talented quarterback with really good accuracy. And I know they may not run the air raid the exact same way, obviously with the passing of Mike Leach, it's extremely sad and, you know, hearts still go out there. But, you know, it'll be a little different this year in terms of what the offense is going to look like. 
I still think Will Rogers is going to have a really special season. He's very accurate with the football, makes really, really good decisions. Um, I, I remember his first game that where he really saw action was where he came in, I think, either at the half or in the fourth quarter uh, against A&M a couple years ago in that COVID season, and he almost came back and won that game. He really put A&M to, to task there and, and almost came back on his own and, and you know, mop-up duty. So interesting, obviously, to watch what he's going to do in the post-Leach era. But, I mean, again, last year's statistics, if you really just want to dig into them, 68% completions, 3,974 yards, 35 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. That's extreme efficiency. He, again, he's not a factor in the run game, but I think he's shown a lot in what he can do in the past game, and I think he'll continue to be successful. Passed for over 400 yards three times last season, and I, I'm looking for 200-yard games. He only had, what, five, maybe six of the bowl game, 200-yard season, 200-yard game. So extremely good numbers for him, several multi-touchdown games, um, really, really talented quarterback, and I think maybe the best arm talent in the SEC. As we move down the list, we're getting into the bounce-back territory. Guys that we've seen, we've seen do it before. And we're excited to hopefully see you do it again this year, but um, kind of had down seasons by their standards last year for different reasons and mostly injury related for both of these guys. So Devin Leary transfers over from NC state to uh, Kentucky to take over for Will Levis. And, you know, if, if you were listening to this show last August, you know how high I was on Devin Leary, you know, how high as a show we were on Devin Leary. I think, Correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, I think both you and Mitch picked NC State to possibly contend for the college football playoff last year. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and it's largely because of Devin Leary, because if you look back a couple of years in 2021, the dude's throwing for 3,500 yards, 35 touchdowns, and just five interceptions. So last year, he only gets to appear in six games. He's really riddled by injuries, but even in those games that he did play, you're still seeing glimpses of what he could be. I'm really excited to see him run this Kentucky offense. I know we usually think of Kentucky as run first. To me, Devin Leary could be what we hoped Will Levis was last year. And maybe if Devin Leary can't get it done in Lexington, then we just think it's it's a curse, right? We think it's just uh, don't hype up the Kentucky quarterback because they will not live up to the hype. But to me, I, I'm looking at Devin Leary as a guy that can definitely carry that baton and be who we hoped Will Levis could be last year. Right. Well, I mean, don't tell Coach Stoops, but that's just because Kentucky's a basketball school, right? Is that is that how this works? Um, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, for me, this is kind of where I think we start to deviate a little bit on where the SEC is as a quarterback conference. I agree that Devin Leary is probably your fourth best quarterback in the conference but that's why I don't think that the SEC is necessarily that strong as a quarterback conference this year they have a lot of guys that are just like yeah they they could be good they could they could be really solid but yeah, I'm looking at Devin Leary's numbers from last year I know he had some injury issues but if you take out UConn and Charleston Southern his max totals in a game were let me look at this 245 passing one touchdown and he threw a pick in three of those games yeah. and so i not great numbers against competition that's not charleston southern or yukon and yeah like there was Clemson hey, that's, bowl, that's that. bowl eligible yukon thank you very much apologies so sorry to the huskies gotta apologize for that one um another basketball school um but 
you know, Texas Tech was on that schedule, not necessarily a, a juggernaut defense there in Lubbock. He passes for 65%, 121 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He didn't have to. They won that game. but Yeah, they the, not, the running backs kind of carried that one. If right, I remember but not a massive explosion of offense in that game. Um, you know, East Carolina passes for about 50%, 2-11, a touchdown and a pick. I'm just not necessarily convinced that he's still that guy where he can really show up and put the team on his back. He has the talent. He's shown us that he can. 2021 was a magical season for them. Um, I I don't know what he's going to do at Kentucky. I think he has a better team around him. I think he has some better talent to maybe throw to. But I'm not sure that he's necessarily at that level as a quarterback. And, and, you know, I think K.J. Jefferson, you could talk about him at number five he's a similar type of guy where if you just look at his numbers, his numbers look fine. 68% completions last year, 2,600 yards, 24 touchdowns, five interceptions. But there were just some games where it didn't really feel like he was doing a whole lot. He definitely was a factor in the run game at times, but it kind of felt like at times last year, if if KJ Jefferson couldn't get it going, they didn't really know what to do as an offense. I know Rocket Sanders is explosive and I know that he had a great season as well, but just kind of seemed like, when KJ was off, they didn't really have a chance in some of these games. And I think if you're going to ride that heavy on one person being that guy in your offense, he has to be more consistent. I think and, that's well. Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is going to be KJ Jefferson's third full season circling around the league. And I, yeah. you know, for better or worse, I think the I think the word might be out on how to stop KJ Jefferson. That's what I'm concerned for him this year. I I don't know that for sure, and I think that he might still have some magic up his sleeve if he's improved as a passer. If he can make those more difficult throws, because you know the completion percentage is pretty good throughout his career. It's 65 and a half percent. That's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's also mm-hmm. taking into account some you know early see early career struggles, but I think so many of those are just auto completions and you look at the more difficult throws and that's what KJ struggles to make. Yeah. The the outside of those auto completions, the screens, the bubbles, the, you know, five yards from the line of scrimmage, that's where KJ really struggles to make a difference. And, you know, more and more defensive coordinators, they're not dumb. They they can realize how to, you know, rein that in and make that work for their defense better. So that's what I'm concerned about with KJ this year. I do really want to see before I'm, you know, Arkansas fans will tell you that he's the unquestioned number one quarterback in the conference. And before I go that far, even moving up higher than five, I really want to see if that improved accuracy down the field can become come to fruition. Yeah. And improved accuracy without Traylon Burks, which is the question going into last year was what happens now that Burks is gone. He was amazing as a wide receiver, but he was probably running underneath a lot of those passes and you don't have to be that good if you're throwing the ball downfield of Traylon Burks. And again, this isn't to say that KJ Jefferson's a bad quarterback. We're not saying he's bad. He's top five in the SEC, which is going to be enough to get Arkansas over a few games. They probably don't deserve to win just on a, a team versus team basis, because when you have a guy like that, you can put the team on your back. Uh, look at the Brigham Young game last year when they played BYU complete 72% of his passes, 367 yards and five touchdowns. That game was wraps. That, that yep. <laughs> You didn't need to worry about it. Um, but again, there were a lot of games where he kind of didn't show up. They probably had no business losing to A&M last year. And, you know, fumble on the goal line, you know, turned into a touchdown for the Aggies, ended up being the difference. You know, there's there were just a few plays where I looked at him and I said, yeah, he, their offense kind of disappeared for like 
two quarters of that game. And man, like that's, that's a disappointing way for your offense to go when you're a team like Arkansas and you, you have some really solid players. It just, I'm curious to see what he can do with maybe a little bit less talent or, you know, maybe when he gets put in a position where he has to pass the ball downfield with some accuracy. Elsewhere in the league, I think we see, in my mind, I, I like the SEC's depth. I think they might not necessarily, I think the Pac-12 definitely has the best top three in the entire country, but this is where you and I were debating before the shows were putting this list together because, in my mind, you look at guys like Peyton Thorne, who transfers from Michigan State to Auburn. Uh, Carson Beck, who's going to be a, the first year, his first year as a full-time starter at Georgia. Whoever mm-hmm. starts at Ole Miss, whether that's Spencer Sanders, uh, Jackson Dart, um, Howard uh, at Ole Miss, even Connor Wegman at Texas A&M, who flashed a lot of potential mm-hmm. down the stretch last year. If you're telling me those guys are six through nine, six through ten, that's a lot of quality. That's a lot of talent. We haven't even gotten it to who's going to win. You know, Jalen Milrow is, I think, a guy a lot of – I saw some, you know, ranking the whole FBS quarterbacks uh, came out this week. Some lists have come out recently. Jalen Milrow is in some people's top 15. We don't have yeah. him there. And we've made our, you know, feelings be very clear about how we feel about <laughs> the Alabama quarterback situation. But right. I think there's a lot of quality depth in this conference. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of this list shapes out and how those teams kind of sort themselves out. You don't necessarily agree. Where would you rank the sec? We haven't talked to big 12 yet, but as terms of power five, where would you put the sec? Cause I'm having a really hard time not putting them number two behind the pack. So this is going to be a thing where I could be looking back at the end of the season and there's just, you know, egg all over my face, right? I could be totally wrong about this. But I think it really just depends on how some of those guys develop. Graham Mertz at Florida, he could be really, really good. And we could be talking about maybe a renaissance for Florida. I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> but we could be talking about that. Peyton Thorne, I'm not necessarily as high on. I do think Auburn's going to be better. How much better? I don't know. I think Peyton Thorne's a better option than they had on campus. But I don't necessarily think he's the guy to save the day for the Tigers. Carson Beck, we'll see. Connor Wigman, we'll see. Uh, I'm curious to see with, you know, Milrow or if it's maybe Buckner or whoever ends up winning that job at Alabama. I, we'll see, right? We will see how some of these guys pan out and develop. I, right now, if we're going to rank just conferences, I'm maybe inclined to put them behind behind the Pac-12. Uh, I'd probably put them behind the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten has better top end, better maybe one through five or six um, than I think that these guys have. And, and you know, maybe a toss-up with the Big 12. There's some talent in the Big 12, maybe not as much depth, but I think top-end you could compete in the Big 12 uh, for which conference has the better talent. So I, I don't think they're worse than the ACC. The ACC, not a very good quarterback conference. Um, but, yeah, I think you can make a, a case for a lot of different conferences in terms of where they stack up, which is different because I think the SEC has been used to having those best guys, right? I think the SEC has been used to having the top guys, I'm curious to see where they rank now that they, I don't think they have the clear cut top guys. I'm curious to see how they compete nationally against like the PAC 12 or the big 10. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. And you know, some of these non-conference matchups will be really cool. We get, you know, we haven't really talked about Spencer Rattler. We get to see him against Drake may in week one that it will get into all that as we get into preview season, but it will be interesting to see which one of us is uh, closer to being right by the end of the season. So 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's move to the Big 12 because, you know, this is a conference, of course, famous in years past for putting up a lot of offense. They've been shifting more and more towards defensive talent in more recent years. But, Garrett, if I look around the country, I think the Big 12 has the most quarterbacks that are kind of in a prove it mode if that makes sense like yeah you have the talent you have the pedigree but it's time to prove it on the field it's time to show that you deserve it deserve to be in the ranking so as we go through these i think we're again if you missed the last episode we're trying to balance what we've seen on the field in college with perceived talent off the field so when we were talking in the acc we're talking about guys like um kate klubnik who had all the talent, all the accolades off the field, but we haven't really seen it yet on the field. It's tough to rank those guys. And there's a couple guys like that in the big 12 as well. As far as proving it on the field and absolutely taking his team to the next level and putting his team on his back, it's hard to have anybody other than Jalen Daniels at Kansas as the number one quarterback. And that's what we're going to go with here. I've seen a lot of, uh, preseason all-conference accolades for Jalen Daniels. He's usually first team or second team in the Big 12 publications that I've seen. And I think rightfully so. I think we are not talking about a bowl-eligible Kansas last year. We're not having this discussion on one of the greatest stories in college football in recent memory without Jalen Daniels just absolutely stepping it up. And I know he was injured. I know that we got um, you know the backup quarterback experience for Kansas in a few games, but when you look at his passing numbers, his accuracy, his propensity to take care of the football and combine that with just electricity on the ground, it's really hard for me to put anybody else at number one. Right. And the important storyline note here for Jalen Daniels is that he got hurt against TCU in a game that ended up being pretty close. And if he yep. stayed healthy and was able to finish that game, you might be talking about that whole magic season for TCU last year not happening because they lose to Kansas. And it said Kansas is, you know, 6-0 and after that game and looking to build momentum. You could, I'm not saying it would have been roles reversed, but you might have been talking about Kansas having the more magical season of the two. Um, and, so, and so, you know, I think it's, it's interesting to see where things could have ended up. Really solid last year. Obviously missed about a month, a little bit more than a month of the season. Um, finished with 66% completions, 2,000 yards on 230 attempts, uh, 18 touchdowns to four interceptions, really takes care of the football, uh, and 77 rushing attempts for 425 and seven touchdowns. Look, some of this has to do with the fact that there's not maybe as much depth in the Big 12. Uh, There really is some top-end talent in the Big 12, but Jalen Daniels is about as good as they come. Really got the most out of that offense. Had to take over um, when, I'm forgetting his... I think it was Daniel Hyshaw, he gets hurt, um, and you know that's a playmaker that they're losing all of a sudden. Kind of had to take over in that offense and really put the team on his back, and he did so. Um, I'm looking at performances like Duke, where he completed 82% of his passes for 324 yards and four touchdowns. 
um, had a great bowl game against Arkansas, 37 for 55, 67% completions. One of the most fun yards. football games I've ever watched, too. Absolutely. Uh, fantastic. Absolutely. He was every bit as good as KJ, if not a little bit better. I think Arkansas might have won that game more on their defensive merits and what Rocket was able to do there. But look, 544, five touchdowns, fantastic from him in that bowl game. Um, and really were some good performances um, from him. And, and I think that's going to be what we end up talking about in this conference is where were the good performances? Where did you see him put the team on his back? Where did you see them, you know, really step it up and, and take this team to the next level? Jalen Daniels did it more than I think anybody um, that's returning. Anybody that's returning to the Big 12 this year did. Obviously, Duggan was fantastic last year. But in terms of returning quarterbacks, there's nobody who did it more last year than Jalen Daniels. And he's going to have to do it again if Kansas is going to go back to a bowl game because yeah. that defense is still not going to be stopping anybody this year. So <laughs> the the potential for a lot of numbers and big numbers for him is really high if he's going to if they're going to continue their success that next year. Rounding out our top five, we're going to go Dylan Gabriel at number two, Will Howard at Kansas State at number three, John Reese Plumley at number four, and. Again, another fan base I'm sure is cursing at us before we mention their quarterback's name. Rest easy, Longhorn fans. Quinn Ewers is going to round out the top five. Garrett, again, it's a lot of balance. Again, this is a tough balance for us to mm-hmm. to find the balance between how, who has shown us what they can do already on the field, the production on the field, and the potential for elite production if everything can come together. So with that, I kind of want to start at the back end of this top five, because if you look around the country, a lot of people are just penciling in Quinn Ewers as the best quarterback in the big 12, maybe top two, top three at worst. We have him at number five. And I think a lot of that is based on, you know, of course he's young. The kids, what turned this should be his, you know, true sophomore season. This is his third year in college football, but it should be his true sophomore season Mm -hmm. based on his age. But even dating back to high school, we had the luxury of growing up in Texas and watching a lot of his, his gameplay in high school. We watched his state championship game against Cade Klubnik in person, and what we came away with was, man, Quinn has all the talent in the world. He can make every throw, but when pressure is in his face and when he has to be the guy to carry his team out of a slump, it's really hit or miss. And we saw that with Texas last year when he had to be the guy when, I mean, there weren't a lot of times that B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson were getting shut down. But I think <laughs> about the TCU game, right? Yeah. I think about Oklahoma State where the defense just doesn't show up and Quinn has to lead a comeback by his arm and it doesn't go well for him in the second half of that game. I think about the Washington game where he goes toe-to-toe with Michael Penix. I realize we're talking about, you know, some of the best teams in college football that he fell down to last year. But when it has to be him and it's going to have to be him more this year without Mm -hmm. Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson walking through that door, it's a struggle and it has been in the past and he kind of has to prove it to me to be higher than number five on this list. And and I'd like to remind Longhorns fans, number one, we don't hate your quarterback, but number two, you weren't convinced that he was number one in the conference or even number one on your team until the spring game came out and Arch Manning maybe wasn't the second coming of the Messiah that we all thought he was, right? We we, we thought Arch Manning was going to come in here and by virtue of his last name, lead the Longhorns back to glory. And then all of a sudden we didn't. One of us on this podcast, I think, maybe called this a little bit earlier than others. I'm, I'm not remembering who, but uh, 
one of us maybe was convinced he wasn't necessarily as chalked up as everyone else thought he was. Yes, um, yes, he did. <laughs> Sorry, I can't pat myself on the back any harder. Um, no, I, Quinn is a very good quarterback. I watched again. We talked about the high school ranks. As much as he didn't play well in that state championship game, I watched him tear up my high school in yeah. like deep in the playoffs. He did not miss a pass. It wasn't close at any point in time. It made me very sad as a as a you know high school football watcher here in the state of Texas, but. Look, he's very talented. He has the arm talent to be number one in this conference by the end of the year. And we could be sitting here again with egg on our face saying, oh, look, Quinn Ewers is a top guy. He ended up as a Heisman finalist. Like He has the talent. For That's all the that. ceiling is undoubtedly there. Yes, absolutely. But let's be honest, until he proves that he can stand up to the pressure and when the, when the blitz hits him, it, there's something about the blitz that when he's got a guy in his face, he can't deliver an accurate ball. And this was a complaint that I had last year uh, up until the semifinal game with, um, and of course I'm going to blank on the name, but Ohio State's quarterback. <laughs> I had a complaint about him last year. Yeah, I had a complaint about him last year that, yeah, when he gets pressured, he doesn't perform. He proved me right in the Michigan game and then proved me wrong against Georgia. Um, Quinn could make that switch. He absolutely could make that switch where all of a sudden he looks like he is that next guy to bring Texas to glory. I'm just not sure that, he's going to make that complete jump in this season. I think he can make a step in the right direction. I think he can prove that he can put up bigger numbers on a weekly basis. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to, against some of those top teams in those biggest possible spots, put the team on his back when he doesn't have Bijan or Roshan to hand the ball to, to kind of keep the offense balanced, right? When the defense doesn't have to stay balanced against the run and when they can pin their ears back and just attack, I'm not convinced that Quinn can be the guy every single week he might be able to but i'm not convinced that that's a week in and week out thing for him he put up some great numbers last year he put up some good performances i'm looking at the oklahoma game where he completes almost 70 percent of his passes for 289 and four touchdowns but again oklahoma not really lighting the world on fire on defense last year that was probably more difficult to throw against air than it was to throw against oklahoma they were not a very good defense um, and I believe both Bijan and Roshan played pretty well in that game, if I'm remembering correct. So oh, yeah. I don't know their stats pulled up, but they both played pretty well in that game as well. Um, and yeah, again, Oklahoma State, not a great game. And, and even against Washington, played a lot better in a losing effort. The 369 passing yards are great, but only one touchdown to come up with it. I, I don't know. He's a good quarterback. That's why he makes our top five. Just not convinced he's as elite as a lot of Longhorn fans probably think that he is. With our other guys in this Big 12 list here, Dylan Gabriel, you know, battled injuries last year. I think he has the potential to put up a lot of stats like he did last year. Oklahoma's losses largely were not Dylan Gabriel's fault last year. He was putting up gaudy numbers even in losses. We've got Will Howard, who just gave Kansas State's offense a whole nother dynamic last year when he came in uh, for the injured Adrian Martinez. That was just a whole – he took that job from Adrian Martinez, Mm -hmm. to be clear. Like, Adrian was healthy by the end of the year, and – Will Howard was the guy, and he looked really promising as the quarterback uh, for this year at Kansas State. I'm excited to see what the post-Deuce Vaughn era looks like. DJ Giddens, shout out to you know our video that's popping up yeah. on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, I think that could be a really dynamic offensive combination this year for Kansas State. And John Reese Plumley entering the league, I know he had you know lesser competition last year, but the numbers speak for themselves and the guy played in the sec. It's not like he hasn't faced power five defenses before. I know that was more in a rushing role and he's going to be asked to pass against this power five slated defenses, but John Reese Plumlee 
in that offense that Gus Malzahn wants to run at UCF is going to be very, very dangerous for uh, that UCF offense. Yeah, if John Rispomi doesn't run the ball, he's not on this list. He's at the bottom of the league. But, again, you have to take the entire work. He is a factor in the rushing game, probably more than anybody else on this list um, and anybody else in the Big 12. He's going to run the football. He's going to be effective. Um, and he's going to be an issue, I think, for a lot of these Big 12 defenses to handle. We'll see what he can do as a passer. He's had some bright moments and some real stinkers when it comes to passing the football. So we'll see what he's going to end up being able to do in the Big 12. Will Howard, I'm a real big fan of Will Howard and what he was able to do last year. Yeah, Adrian Martinez was, I think, even available for that Big 12 championship game. And Will Howard just decides, you know, I'm going to be the guy to lead this team. And, I mean, really played well back part of that season. Never put up maybe massive numbers. They were a little bit more of a balanced offense. But, I mean, end of the season, he puts up 1,600 yards and under 200 passing attempts, um, 15 touchdowns to four interceptions. Really did a good job taking care of the football. And I am curious to see what he can do given the opportunity. You know, a full season, a full off season of being the number one guy, uh, a full, you know, season being, you know, the guy at your school being the starting quarterback. I'm really curious to see what he can do and, and kind of the numbers he can put up uh, in, in the post Von era. And then again, rounding it out, Dylan Gabriel ended up being our number two guy. Lots of talent passing the football. I think a lot of us think Oklahoma is going to be a lot better this year. Put up plenty of numbers on offense, over 3,000 yards passing, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. I'm looking at the Texas Tech game as a bright spot for him. 70% completions, 450 yards, six touchdowns, and they still can't beat Texas Tech. Anyways. Um, the losses were not his fault. They were not his fault. I mean, that defense I mean, was abysmal. The laughing image that people have of 2022 Oklahoma is just getting blitzed by Texas at the Cotton Bowl. He was hurt for that game. He got yep. hurt against TCU. Look, the, the losses were not his fault. That was it's one not of the worst. Game, yeah. That was one of the worst Power Five defenses that we've ever seen in history last it year. It was pretty bad to put on the field. So, yeah, I mean, Dylan Gabriel, if they can just get, if they can just stop a nosebleed this year at Oklahoma, I think that they've got a really good shot with the way that their offense is going to perform. But yeah, yeah, I mean, point to me in the direction that Dylan Gabriel should be blamed. I mean, there's a couple of stinker games that he had, but I, I don't think that you can blame him for the struggles that Oklahoma no. had last year. So, yeah, with that, the Big 12 is going to be wild and wacky like it usually is with 14 teams this year. Just the, the I'm excited to watch some Big 12 football this year and see where everything goes. That wraps up our Power 5 quarterback rankings but we are going to lump the g5 conferences together and give you a top five list garrett i'm going to go through these one through five here really quickly and then we can you know just rapid fire some takes off of them we've got frank harris at utsa number one my dude my man crush grayson mccall at coastal <laughs> carolina surprisingly stayed at coastal carolina that was not a given that he was going to stay i'm really excited to see what he can do um with an interesting offensive change this year without uh, Jamie Chadwell um, at number two, Grayson McCall, Michael Pratt at Tulane, another guy that I just, you know, fell in love with watching live last year at the cotton bowl, Austin Reed at number four, who led FBS in passing last year at Western Kentucky and a newcomer that we are kind of going out on a limb here, but both of us are really, really high on coming into this year is Preston stone at SMU. And if you haven't heard the name yet, Remember that name because I think by the end of the year that we're all going to know exactly 
who Preston Stone is in the college football universe. So, Garrett, I mean, I'll just let you take the lead here. Who do you want to go with? Oh, I'm going to start at the top. Frank Harris is as good as they come at the quarterback spot. If you ask me to make a top five quarterbacks in the country, Frank Harris probably ends up on my list. He is extremely talented. Um, over 4,000 yards passing this last year on almost 70% uh, completions, 32 touchdowns, uh, nine interceptions, and was a real factor in the run game as well. 602 rushing yards, uh, nine touchdowns. Um, just, I mean, an absolute athlete. And it seems like he just kind of willed his team to victory in the vast majority of the spots that he found them in. Um, played well against a, a, I think, improved Texas defense. and did not end up winning that game. Um, but still passed for almost 70%, 222 yards. Um, and, I mean, played fairly well. They did lose their bowl game to Troy, so, you know, maybe a little bit of a blemish. Didn't necessarily play. sloppy, sloppy weather game. I remember yeah, watching I that. I put a couple shekels on, on <laughs> UTSA in that game, and I was not happy uh, with that outcome. I remember watching it and just being yeah. disgusted. Well, and to the point, Troy had a very good defense last year, so can't yeah. necessarily knock him for not playing well against one of the better defenses in the country last year. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think when you look at Frank Harris, he's about as good as they come. I, I think you're hard-pressed to find a guy who means as much to his team as Frank Harris does. Losing some really talented wide receiver uh, help, but there's still some good wide receivers on that team. And, and I think that they're going to be just fine as they make their transition to the AAC um, to go join some of these other guys on this list. Yeah, if you look at, you know, pre-season uh, pre all-conference listings for the American, it's littered with UTSA guys. A lot of people yeah. think that UTSA is going to come in and make a lot of noise because of Frank Harris. I'm really interested to see Grayson McCall, like I said, without the Jamie Chadwell offense. I think that if he can show that he can put up, I don't think he's going to put up as big numbers as he has in the past because they are absolutely insane um, what he's been able to do in that offense. But if he can put up just remotely similar numbers and show that he's still taking care of the football in his final season, I think that he's going to be a second or third round draft pick next year in the NFL draft, if not even higher. I think I could see someone at the back end of the first round taking a chance on him. If he shows he's not just a product of an offensive system, Michael Pratt, man, I, I kind of stood yeah. my ground to put him at number three. <laughs> and, you know, we, we talk about Tulane last year. I think that if anyone's going to knock UTSA off, I think that Tulane and UTSA are really on a collision course for the American conference championship this year. Yeah, Michael Pratt, I think, you know, we joked off camera, but I think he was like, what, seven of of 16 or something like that in the yeah, Cotton eight Bowl. Eight for 17 in the Cotton Bowl. It was the gutsiest eight of 17 that I've ever seen. Just <laughs> well, like, he had 15 rushes for 83 as well, so that's not yes, too bad. He did score two touchdowns through the air. There's that one really long one, but, you know, kind of ignore that for a second. But It, it was the TyJ Spears show. It, it, for the most part, yeah. most of that game was the TyJ Spears show for Tulane, but he put his team on the back in the fourth quarter and just really, really impressed the heck out of me. It was gutsy, and I think that he is everything that a G5 program should want in a quarterback. Whether or not that has yeah. pro aspirations, I don't know, but a lot to be excited about. Austin Reed, you know, it might be disrespectful to put the FBS reigning FBS passing yards leader at number four on this list. But to me, that's more of a product of thinking. I don't know. I, I think if you put any of the three guys ahead of him on this list, they would have similar numbers. No disrespect to Austin Reed at all. 
but I think just the offense of Western Kentucky kind of leads to that. Um, and, and some, and look, they, they're always going to have a high passing volume, but Garrett, I want to spend a little bit of time shouting out Preston zone because both you and I have written about him for the transfer portal CFB. You wrote the SMU preview. I wrote a article highlighting his, uh, potential as a breakout candidate in 2023 the kid has all the talent in the world he's one of the highest rated quarterbacks that smu has ever signed four star coming out of texas he stays home he has all the options in the world he could have transferred the last couple years when he didn't win the job but he is waiting for his turn and almost beat out tanner mordecai last year if it wasn't for um, an untimely injury at fall camp so i personally as you know noted smu season ticket holder I am very, very excited to watch this kid play this year, and I think the whole country is going to know his name by the end of the year. Yeah, he is extremely talented. Um, he Again, he almost beat out Tanner Mordecai if it wasn't for that injury, and I think a lot of people would tell you that you know they might have wished to have seen what he could have done last year once he was healthy. He did get some spots where he got to play. Um, pulling up his stats from last year, he did have a couple games where he was he was in there doing his thing. Um, the Tulsa game being kind of the high watermark for him where he passed for 219 and a touchdown. Um, but he's a real dual threat option. He, he has the athleticism to be a dual threat guy. Um, and I think that the brightest days are ahead for this SMU offense, despite losing, you know, a guy like Rasheed Rice, where, you know, Rasheed Rice was so awesome on the outside. But, I mean, they got some real solid uh, returning receivers. You know, I'm talking guys like Jordan Curley, um, they brought in Keyshawn Smith from Miami, um, Jordan Hudson from TCU. Um, so there's some real talented guys to catch the ball from him. And I think that he's going to put up some massive numbers. You know, I'm thinking back to last year with some of those offensive outputs from SMU. I think that that's pretty system driven, similar to, you know, the whole Western Kentucky thing with, you know, Austin Reed being pretty system driven. And he did put up some massive numbers. He threw for oh, yeah. almost 500 almost yards. 5, yards. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. But another system-driven team that, you know, looking at where the AAC is, they just let, like, let a lot of guys walk out the door to the Big 12, where now there's kind of a power vacuum. And I think SMU is in as good a position as anybody else to take over the top of that conference. Now, are they going to have to fight against a Tulane and a UTSA to do it? Yeah, probably. And do they need to figure out how to put the D back in Dallas and play some defense? Yes, that is true. Um, but, you know, it, it's not going to be Preston Stone's fault. And, and this isn't a defensive list. This is a quarterback's list. I think Preston Stone is going to be very, very good. As do I. I. I'm really, really excited to watch him play. Garrett, that's going to do it for this edition of the Three Technique. If you like what we're doing here, make sure that you are liked, subscribed. Make sure that you are following us on all of our social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, follow the Transfer Portal CFB as well. And as I love to say, make sure you tell a friend, make sure that you are sharing the goodness of the three technique with, uh, with your community, with your college football uh, fan bases. So we are really excited to keep expanding, keep offering you guys more and more uh, coverage as we get into this 2023 season. And we're just counting down the days now at this point. We're just, I think, only 12, 11 or 12 weekends away from college football being back for the fall. So for Garrett Turney, for Mitch Mason, who cannot be with us today, I'm Trey Reeves, and we will see you guys next time.